0: Welcome to the Executive Minds Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Hello, Executive Minds listeners. This is Kevin Jennings here with you today, and I am joined here in our, I would say, our additional remote studio um, here with with one of our partners. I'm hanging out with Shane Benson and David Farmer.
1: And let's not forget our tremendous sound engineer, Nate. I mean, right here he is. He doesn't want to say anything, but he's here. He's, in, he's, like, he's yeah. making this happen today. Yeah. I love it.
2: We're missing uh, Jeff Henderson, who is all the way across the country, San Francisco, still promoting his book, uh, Know What You're For. So go, Jeff.
0: And if you don't have a copy of that book we're yet. We're fired
1: up for you, buddy. Yeah, if you don't we're have that book for yet. for you.
0: We're for Jeff, and we're for you to get that book, too, because we know that you need to close that gap between knowing what – knowing who you are for. So, so go out there and get that book from Jeff Henderson. Um, we'll have a link for that in the show notes. Now today, we have the pleasure of talking to you about something we get asked all the time. It is, without a doubt, the number one question that we get asked about. And that is, how do I find a mentor? But before we answer that question we're not going to do it today. We're and gonna,
1: interestingly enough, that is the name of our organization. It is. And that's, I think. Mentor. That,
0: it is. And if you listen to the previous episode, um, I would say a couple of weeks ago in November, I think on November 21st, we had an episode featuring these two fine gentlemen that was all about pivoting. We kind of sh- talked to you about why we pivoted, why we, why we moved to this name of mentor. And so check that out if you want that story. But today we're talking about mentorship and specifically we're talking to you about what you need to do to prepare for a mentorship opportunity. If you have a person who wants to invest in you, what you can do to prepare. And if you are mentoring someone, we have a strategy for you about how you can best leverage that opportunity and respect your time and add value to others. So um, David, I'd love for you to give some context to this about what you were thinking because you kind of brought this concept to us and we just all rallied around it about how people can prepare for mentorship opportunities and why it's important.
2: Yeah, I I think where we ultimately want to go in the podcast today is if you are looking to be mentored, what are some things you can do to prep so that you show up and make the the time you might ultimately get with a mentor really valuable? Or if you're the one doing the mentoring, what are some expectations you might have of somebody that is looking to spend time with you? So that's where we're going to go. But before we go there, Kevin, I'd love to just talk about just the value of mentoring up front. And uh, I might begin by thinking back to early in my career. There's been mentoring on different fronts. There's professional mentoring. Uh, My wife and I were mentored by an older couple early in our marriage as well. But when I think about my work, there were a couple of guys who um, just decided they were willing to spend a little bit of time with me, invest in me, coach me up, point me in a direction. Uh, Nothing particularly in it for them. They were just being I'm um, really gracious, generous, and, and kind of just paying it forward, so to speak. And, and those guys uh, absolutely changed the trajectory of my career, and in doing so, really changed the trajectory of my life. And so that is somewhat the motivation I have to get out here, partner with you guys, and think, how can we do mentoring? We're just taking a little different approach through the Executive Mind podcast and some of the other resources we have through Mentor to do it at scale. Uh, but it has paid dividends, and I think we want to turn around and see if we can help somebody else as well. Can we accelerate their growth? Can we challenge their thinking? Can we keep them from stepping in a stump hole that would set them back? Uh, we we do this in the context of probably personal professional growth, but Mallory, my wife and I, we still do that relative to marriage. Now we are trying to return the favor. In fact, just last night we sat down for dinner with a couple. I've been married a couple of years, got a brand new baby, and they're now talking about how they start a business. He's graduating from chiropractic school. And so we just did some mentoring around that topic. So, um, I love it. I think it's Did you get your back aligned while you were at it? (laughs) Maybe I get a credit for that. credit, okay. I I could use a credit for that. But, um, I, I just love the idea of it because, um, not only is it a way for us to to invest in other people, but in doing so, it forces you to clarify your own thinking, Mm -hmm. and it motivates you to continue growing so that you've got
1: something to offer and share. You're not trying to sell out of an empty wagon. Yeah, I want to pick up on that because I I think, I mean, we're gonna unpack several questions to not only ask your mentor, but to be thinking about as you're entering into mentoring relationships. Um, But I think it's so important that you don't miss this opportunity for you as a mentee or a mentor to learn that is so important as I think back on uh being not only asking people to be a mentor but being a mentor myself um the learning opportunity that creates is just absolutely tremendous so um I think we all agree that mentoring is something that many of us are interested in and want to continue to do and we just want to kind of unpack the potential to uh engage in some questions that might help you in these relationships.
2: Yeah, Kev, I'm going to suggest that our listeners are very likely to fall in one of two categories and maybe both. One is they're looking for someone to help mentor them, and so they're going to approach a mentor, maybe they've already done it, and they're asking, do you mind if uh, we sit down and I buy a cup of coffee and i just got some questions I want to ask you? That's one category. Sure. The other is you're on the receiving end of that, and you have people reaching out to you, and they're asking for time now. For me, at my stage of life and career, I'm probably in that second category where I've got people that are reaching out to me, and so I've I've had enough of those experiences where I know, well, if we're going to do that, if I'm going to give time, and you're going to give time, let's make sure we get the most out of it. So that's that's the premise behind I think the top, topic we
0: got today. That's perfect, and I, and I think for many of us, you know we we want to be worthy of a mentor, you know, and I think there's there's a reality, I want I want them to know I, I, I would cherish the opportunity and I really want this. And I think there is something to say about preparation. And I think we say, well, this can help you answer the question about how do I prepare? How do I prepare for a mentorship opportunity? How do I make sure they know I've put some necessary thought in for one like this. So with that being said, David, why don't you kick us off? What's the first question you think We should be asking ourselves or maybe a mentor can be asking a mentee
2: okay let me go there first even as i listen two thoughts hit me we're kind of nearing the end of the year these are good questions regardless so uh, whether you're really looking for a mentor or not some of the things we're going to talk about would be just good self-evaluation questions so i'll put that out there secondly i'll say I kind of think of these as the price of admission. In other words, if we're going to sit down and spend an hour together and we want to get the most value out of that time, if you do a little bit of prep work and show up having done the prep work and actually shared the prep work, then we can pick the conversation up further down the road yep. and I think get to a place where we're adding more value. So now if someone reaches out to me and they, let's say they contact my assistant or they ask me, hey, can we, can we meet? I'll go to my assistant and say, can you send them these questions and ask them to shoot me answers back before we sit down so that I've had a chance to review it. When we sit down, we're not starting from the beginning. We're not starting from scratch. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay, great. so it. so here's, here's the first question. I just ask, what do you consider your genius to be? Another way to put it might be, hey, what's your superpower? But sometimes I, I borrow from a, a coach who's helped um, several of us, Tommy Newberry. He defines genius as the intersection between your strengths and your passion. So I almost draw two lines that intersect, strength being one of them, passion being the other, strength. Wh- where do you just have uh, competencies that uh, they, you're either just God-gifted competencies or you've developed them over time? Passion is what do you get fired up about doing? You can't help yourself. You just automatically default to that. Where those things cross, draw a circle around that. That's your genius, that's where you want to focus most of your time and energy because that's where you're going to have the greatest impact. So I would like for people to think through what their genius is and share that with me before um, we sit down and talk because that is definitely going
1: to color the conversation. Mm, That's so good. That is good. All right, question number two. Yeah, fire
0: away, Shane.
1: What is an area of your work or personal life that needs development? I love this question because I think it it can be a catalyst for the conversation that you're going to engage in with your mentor or if you're with your mentee. But if you think about that question, you you really start to unpack and you want the individual that you're mentoring to begin to think through what are some of those challenges? What are some of those areas where you don't have strength or where you need some improvement? Um, and I do think there's it's, it's appropriate and actually helpful to think about the balance of personal and professional, because oftentimes those things can cross over what you're having trouble. So I'll give you an example. Uh, most recently in a mentoring relationship, we talked about this area. You know, what's an area you need development? And the, we, we started to talk about personal life and said, you know, just on the weekends, I just I don't find myself with a plan. I don't have, you know, I want to just be more diligent about getting up and leveraging a weekend to work out, get some things done, get some honeydew projects done. And I'm really focused on doing that in my personal life. And it's fascinating when we flip the coin and started talking about professional life. Same type of things. Like, where do you need development? Well, I just need to really get focused and have a plan uh, to get projects across the finish line. It was like, oh, so what I hear you saying is you need some systems or processes around discipline in your life. Um, And that allowed us to enter into a conversation that was spurred by the question and driven by the response so that we could tackle it together.
0: That's awesome. And I've got a
2: nuance um, related to this question. It doesn't say, what's an area of your work life or your personal life that's weak? Because you don't necessarily want to chase trying to turn weaknesses into strengths all day long, right? We learned that from Marcus Buckingham when he came out with his Strength Finder concept. Uh, it says, it's what's an area of your work life or professional life that needs development? And the difference there is you know this has got to get up to par or mm-hmm. it's got to get to another level. It's not just any random weakness.
0: You know, so Michael Hyde's book, Free to Focus, um, he talks about this thing called a freedom compass. And you two had to talk, you know, Michael actually, you, he's already been on this podcast just weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and so one thing he talks about is the four you know, four zones, right, either desire zone, drudgery zone, distraction zone. Um, and then I think there's one more I'm going blank on. Um, but the key thing is he says there's a development zone. The development zone, he says, is something that you want in your desire zone, but it's too weak to call it a desire zone, right? So it's like, so for example, for me, public speaking is something I enjoy doing. But anyone who listened to this podcast for a long time knows Kevin's working on his cadence, right? I can talk pretty fast if I get excited. That's an area I would call my development zone. Even though I've done it publicly, I feel like there is some natural ability I would not say this is my desire zone yet because I don't feel proficient enough to say this is a a part of my genius or a part of my superpower. But I feel like I, I can work on it enough and have enough natural ability. It could be a part of that if I do the work. Right. So I love that. The idea of that, you know, take what David's saying. The development zone is, is something you have interest, maybe some natural ability, and, you know, it could be compounded with a little bit of work. Yeah. So, you know, so I love that idea.
2: That's a great ad.
0: Well, one of the things uh, for question number three, I think uh, that we have here, and I think it's a great question, and that is, you know, what are the three best books you've read or listened to this year? Now, there's a couple of things I think that I want to unpack on that. The idea, first of all, that are you proactively seeking knowledge there? There's an implication there. Hey, are you seeking knowledge on your own? And have you processed it enough to think about its application in your life? And now, now I'm not saying every book you read has to be a nonfiction book, but I do think when you've taken the time to think about what influences you've proactively sought out and the seeds they're planting in you, if you're the mentee and you bring that to your mentor, that's going to give them some context. It's going to show some signs that you're actually investing in yourself on your own, right? At the end of the day, a mentor does not desire to give you hours away from their from their family, from, and they might like you by the way, but they have other competing interests and they want to be able to come alongside you, not be the quote unquote, they don't want to be pulling you right. That, that's not their gut. That's not their job. They want to come alongside push support. And so being clear on that, the other thing is books are like virtual mentors. You have the ability to commune with great minds anytime you want. And that there isn't to be said about the idea of saying, if you want to go learn something, 99% of the time, a book has been written about that very specific thing. And so that also sets something the dimension about what you're trying to learn more about. You know, you're going out and you're seeking knowledge about that. And the last thing I think, I mean, personally, when I hear that question as well, this year, there is a context. Once again, I'm not saying that's implied or put pressure on you, but there is an idea saying, yes, you should be reading often enough <laughs> that you can I, that you can say you've read at least three books in a year. Right. With audible and other other technology that can be nothing more than what Tony Robbins calls no extra time or I heard you call it car university. Right. The average American spends twenty six point seven minutes in the car every single day for a commute. That means you can knock out a book every two to three or four weeks just by audio alone. And that's not with you listening just exclusively to audio. And so what are you proactively seeking? What minds are you going to commune with through a book to grow yourself?
2: So let can, me. can we play a little game here? Just yeah. throw it in and say, okay, so that question's all about what you've read or listened to. Can we yeah, throw out what have you read or listened to? Or yeah, let's do it. Got queued up right now, just kind of
0: quick. Cool, go for it. Go, you go first.
2: Okay, well, I got a couple. I'm trying to learn a lot about um, digital disruption because it impacts the way we shop, the way we eat. Think about how we do food now. We want it delivered. Sure. Uh, you see that with groceries as well. So we, we play in that space at Chick-fil-A. So read a couple of books around that if you're interested in that. One was actually written a couple of years ago by Thomas Friedman of the New York Times. Thank you for being late. Hmm. It talks about a lot of disruption and how it impacts society, including what's happening um, with the rate of change around digital. Another one in that space was um, uh, Goliath's Revenge, which is how incumbent big companies think Goliath can stand up to the disruption of little startup companies. So that was really interesting. And then I'll throw one more out, Ego is the Enemy, uh, Ryan Holiday. Um, that's It's just a good little leadership book. And then my wife told me I've gotta read Malcolm Gladwell's Talking to Strangers. So I got that queued up, I hadn't started yet. It's where I'm going next.
0: Awesome, Shane. You get your queued up in a second.
1: No, I got it queued up. Um, probably one that um, interestingly I finished just recently was a book called Shadow Divers, which was the true story about a couple recreational divers that found a German U boat off the coast of uh, New Jersey, which was just spectacular because it's a true story. That was really good. Um, I also read. I'm trying to do a little bit more research on just diversity. So somebody told me about a book called um, Born a Crime by Trevor Noah, um, and so that was really, really fascinating. It was about him growing out, up in South Africa and all the challenges around that, specifically around apartheid, and how, I hate to say it, but a country was an intentionally diligent about racism. Mm-hmm. And it was just fascinating. So that was really, really good. And now I'm reading a book, um, which is kind of interesting because I'm on this span of time where I'm not reading as many business books but it's called The American Kingpin, and it's the story about the guy. Have you read that? (laughs) Yeah. It's the story about the guy that created the dark web, and um, so I'm very fascinated about just that world. Silk Road was
2: his website. Okay, yeah, Yeah. so
1: Silk Road. And so um, I just started that one, so those are the three that I'm into right now.
0: Yeah, so this year, um, I've actually been going through a mentor a mentoring program. I th- actually, with one of our former podcast guests. Uh, I've been mentored for the year by Brian Miles of of Belay, and he. I've actually surrendered every bit of reading to him. He's chosen every book I've read all year long, which has actually been oh, that's pretty cool. It's been very yeah, it's been very different. Um, but it's been incredible because I've read books I would have probably never picked up. Uh, one of which uh was How to Really Love Your Child, uh, by Dr. Ross Campbell. One of the Best books. I mean, I mean, I've read a lot of books, and I've and also, I've you know, dabbled in parenting books. But like this book, has been so transformative. Um, and and so that book's been big for me to understand my daughter. Um, I'm also I've also read a book called Um What Radical Husbands Do by Reggie Campbell. Um, he's actually a, a former client of mine. His organization called Radical Mentoring actually created a mentoring curriculum, uh, for for churches and how they can support men in their development spiritually. And, um, that book really challenged me uh, as a husband in a great way. Um, and so I would recommend that book as well. And, um, another book that's been a big one for me is, um, the road back to you by Ian Morgan Cron. Um, and that, that one was really helpful because I think the Enneagram, just for those who don't know much about it, hopefully we'll get Ian on the podcast one day. But, um, what I love about that in particular is it's the first personality or typology indicator that has its roots in your spiritual development, not your professional development um, and saying, Hey, this is designed to reveal how you can best connect to, to God and to yourself. Um, not so much how you can perform at work. And I, and that's been big for me because I've, I've typically always lined up what I'm reading in, in the context of professional growth. And that's been big for me. So those three books, they've worked on me personally, my wife, and my and my our marriage and my relationship with my daughter, which is I said just been incredible uh, for me to Good do that. To you. Yeah. I I took some notes, guys. Yeah, exactly.
2: What this was fun for me, because you get some ideas on things you may not have even been aware of. But I think in the context of mentoring, it helps understand where's where's someone's head right now. That's right. What are they thinking about? What is it that they get excited about? So that's the point. It also gives you some indication. Are they trying to grow? That's right. In what direction? How all of
0: that? So Indeed, like I said, and yeah, so I, lo- I love this question. All right, so at this point, guys, we're gonna uh, be right back with uh, question number four after the break. All right, so we are back talking to you about the key questions you should be asking yourself and answering if you want to prepare yourself for a mentorship relationship, where you are whether you are the mentor or the mentee, either having thought through this before you, you know, meet with that mentor one-on-one um, or if you're the mentor challenging the mentee to answer these questions before you give them some time alone one-on-one. So we're back with question number four and David, I'm throwing it to you.
2: Yep. So four is what is the professional achievement you're most proud of this year? That's great. Now you could add personal achievement as well, but I think the value in that question, it forces you just to do a little bit of reflection on what you, your year was like. It also indicates, um, how high are you thinking is your answer. Well, I've got my inbox cleared. Great. Or
1: <laughs> did you? Do- Sometimes that's <laughs> <amazing>. <laughs> it's been a one. Let's not <laughs> underestimate the power of how that feels, David. Yeah. I love that
2: one. <laughs> but, or did you um, launch a project you've you know, spent the last nine months working on? And mm-hmm. what's that all about? And, and then you dig a little deeper. Why was that um, something that you're so proud of? What was it? What did you have to do? What was your role? What was your contribution? How did that stretch you? Mm-hmm. So um, it's just good reflection. Mm-hmm. And it gives us a sense of where somebody is in their development.
0: Yeah. Just to add to that and then we'll move on. I think it's also powerful because as a, as a mentor, um, we want to see, you know, if you're given time, you want to see someone is reflecting. Andy Stanley says it's not experience it gives you wisdom is evaluated experience. And I want to have someone who's thinking proactively about how they evaluate what's happening in their lives. Because that's where the learning really happens.
2: Would evaluated
0: experience.
1: experience. I like
0: that. Yeah. Evaluated experience. Not, so experience is not the mother of knowledge. Evaluated experience is the mother of knowledge and wisdom.
1: You, you know, what I also like about this question is I think it gives you some insights to the individual too. It's like, okay, so, what is it that you're most excited about? what what did you what did you reference or point to? I'll never forget. Um, I really didn't know this leader that I was spending time with, but when we got to this question around, hey, what's a personal achievement you were excited about, he referenced the accomplishment of a launch, but he spent the majority of the time talking about how much fun he had developing the team. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating. So it was the launch of a product but he spent 90% of the time just talking about the dynamics around the team. And it really gave me some insight into him as a leader um, and what he was really passionate about. And so I really, I flipped it to him. I go, you know, I'll be honest with you. I know you're, you said this launch was a significant achievement, but honestly, it sounds like the culture that you created was the achievement. And it was a, it was a way for me to give some, get some insight into what was most important to the individual. And so I just love that question for that reason. And therefore maybe where he needs to channel his energy going forward. That's right. That's right. Um, so let's jump to question number five. What are your top goals for this year? Now I love this question because this question can really give you some insight, um, to a couple different things. And the first one is, okay, how high are you setting your goals? Are you setting your goals too high? Are they measurable? Um, are they actionable? Do you know when you've actually accomplished the goal? Um, is the goal a subset of a larger goal? And so by having someone answer this question, it really does give you some insight into their ability to long-term plan, their ability to set milestones in, 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 um, on the way to maybe larger outcomes. Um, so this is a fun goal for me because it also gives you or it's a fun question. It also gives you some insight to um, where are they setting goals? Is it only professionally? Do they think about goal setting personally? And what does that look like? And so you can go a variety of different places with some goal setting questions. And um, I think this question is a really good one for that.
0: Yeah. So for question number six on this list is where do you see yourself in five years? I love that, right? So we just went from what are your goals right now? To where do you see yourself? And first of all, as David said at the beginning of this podcast, this list is so powerful because if you don't have a mentor today, this is going to start to pull out the misalignment in your own vision. If you say where you see yourself in five years is one thing, and you currently have goals that are taking you down another trajectory, you have just exposed an opportunity to realign. And if they are aligned, you can kind of say, okay, great, I'm on track. At least I'm aiming at the right things as far as alignment. Um, I can tell you transparently that a big shift in my life happened because of a misalignment between my current annual goals and my long-term goals. Um, recently, be, being just being in full transparency, I recognized where I, what I was building in my life the last even two or three years was lacking alignment because I had no physical life plan. I had nowhere to say where is the articulation of Kevin at 65. Like, where is that? Where is it? It's not. So, I've been living in a very, in a very op with an opportunistic mindset. And just seeing five years down the road is a very sharp thing. Do you want to be debt free? Do you want to have more time freedom? Right. Well, that's something you can start to prepare for today to set that up. So, you want to take your now it's a a vision. It's not, it's not, you don't say as clear as I will have this, I will do that. But it is a hey, if what, what is a day in the life, a week in the life, a year in the life of you. Five years from now, and that's one way to write it down. Okay, here's a week in the life. Great, because what really matters is what's happening habitually. Mm-hmm. So, so, I, so we don't want to say I have a I have a beach house. Well, that's great, but if you can't get, if you don't get to go because you're working so hard, you can't enjoy the beach house. We need to write down what a week in the day in the life is as a clear vision for five years from now. Use descriptive terms too. Right? you want to get really descriptive. You want to be able to almost see it and taste it um, when you write that thing down. Jump in. Okay, yes, I was going
2: to add something. This is a, a concept I'm, I'm really learning as it relates to really both of the last two questions. Top goals, where do you see yourself in five years? Here's the premise. You almost have to slow down to go fast. And here's what I mean. If you don't stop, be still, sit down, reflect, write some of this out, do a little life planning, you're probably not going to get there or you're probably not going to get there as quickly as you think. So I'm learning the value, even on a daily basis, slowing down, reflecting, taking the time to think ahead, and and almost visualize how I want my day to play out, how I want my week,
1: quarter, year, whatever to play out. That's how I think you're going to accelerate getting to that
0: five-year
2: mark.
1: So specific to this question of where you see yourself in five years, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of a mentor, and you're about to engage with the conversation they've asked, they've answered these questions. This is the question that as a mentor, I really pay attention to. And here's why, because my job as a mentor is to help my mentee get where he or she desires to be over time. That's right. I, I take that as a personal challenge, and an opportunity. I don't take responsibility for that, but I'm along to help and to help them on the journey. And so what I love about this question is I'm listening for things that they may enjoy doing, for areas of the business that they feel like they may have strengths that they uh, might someday want to try. And it, I just noodle down opportunities for additional engagements with other people. So let me give a real specific example. I'm with somebody. They're working in, in a learning opportunity, a training opportunity. It's very tactical. And they said to me, hey, one day I'd, I'd enjoy being a consultant, a consultant to the franchisees within Chick-fil-A. And it, it got me thinking, okay, who could I partner with him that's a little bit ahead of them on the journey? And how could I create that relationship? So that question for me kind of gives you some insight to where they maybe wanted, are headed in their career, where they'd like to head in their career, and how can you begin to bridge some connections to help them on their journey? So. That's, good.
0: that's fantastic. Well, we are at our final question. And David, because you started this list And we just kind of said, you know what? We all agree and we added our own pieces to it. Why don't you close us out?
2: Yeah, well, the final question really does sort of set up the conversation that's going to follow. And it just simply says, so how can I help you most? And to explain that, I might use um, illustration of when I go to a doctor these days for just a regular physical. Uh, I don't go without having previously gone and done lab work and tests think about what that's all about. If I'm going to go in there, the doctor wants as much data as possible to kind of see what's going on. And then they're going to ask me some questions about how I feel and are there any issues that I'm worried about. All of that is an attempt to make the physical uh, a more directed and ultimately uh, meaningful and helpful process. And so it is with these questions. Uh, All of this is, is data that the mentor can use. And it also, I think it really preps the mentee to come in there and, and be a little more intentional about where they would like to see the experience as well. Uh, so it's about making uh, the time valuable for both parties. Nobody wants to feel like they got their time wasted. Typically the mentee does not, but if we're honest, the mentor sometimes mm. They feel like they kind of got played a little bit, right? Oh, my Cause, gosh. Because yes. the mentee was lazy. We don't want lazy mentees.
0: You know, one of the things that's really powerful about that idea also, and we talked about this a little bit in our, well, not a little bit, very clearly, actually, in um, the course we created called Elevator Pitch. Right? We, You know, one thing we very clearly said, what is the ask? Like, if you don't have a clear ask at the end of a pitch, you did nothing. If you watch, I mean, honestly, one of my biggest frustrations as a marketer is when I drive by a billboard that has no call to action. I'm saying, so you, let me not take the next exit, not call this number. The web address is so tiny. Me and Leah, I I was like, Leah, look at this billboard. They're pouring money down a drain. Like this is the most ridiculous thing ever. You see this gigantic brand name or some crazy funny graphic. You say, I have no idea how to do business with them. What was the point? Like, like, no, please tell me who thought this was going to be helpful if we never t- said this is the next step. And so for a mentor, that's what they're saying. It's like you do the hard work of thinking. Now, I can always refine it. I might give you, I might decide to give you more, but I need to know you've thought about the value that you would like me to add to you in this season. And I think that's a very powerful thing. And I've actually, I've had mentors say that and I've said to them, I don't know yet. And I'll be transparent. It is so frustrating to say that it is because in your mind, like this doesn't happen. People do not just stop you of the, of this caliber and say, what do you need? If you don't have an answer, that's very frustrating. And more importantly, if you know you're not prepared to handle or utilize their help, don't take the meeting yet. Do not have them give you the undivided attention and time. And they say, OK. What do you need? Well, I need this, but don't do it yet because I'm not ready. I'm too busy. I'm too th- well, what are we doing here? Yep. What are we doing? Yeah, so
2: can I be really honest? Please. As one that probably sits on the mentor side of the table more often these days. You really can't have one of these conversations without forming some judgment uh, of the person you're meeting. Sure. And whether you know them well or it could be somebody you hardly know at all. So you're you're evaluating them. It just comes with the territory. They can make a great impression or they can leave and you think, well, uh, that might not have been the greatest hour I've just spent, but check the box, I'm done, I'm moving on. And, and you're not gonna, you have no intention of investing more time and energy into this person, right? Mm-hmm. So I would just say what often governs that is the level of preparation on behalf of the mentee. And so I, I want to encourage our listeners that are looking for mentors, do this work, um, come prepped you know, send your, um, your mentor, the, the issues, the questions, all this background information, they're going to be impressed. They're going to have a a much more favorable impression. And I think you'll ultimately extract more value from the discussion. And they'll, I think they'll find it a win as well.
1: Yeah. You enter into these conversations thinking about how might I become their top three? And here's what I mean by that. You think about the person, the individual you're spending time with, they're going to have countless interactions with people over the course of the year. How is your interaction with that individual going to be a little bit different, a little bit special? I think these seven questions, if prepared well, can actually give you an edge and, um, give you a bit of recall in the mind of the person that's actually trying to help develop you. And so how do you become somebody's top three? How do you go through this list of questions and engage them in such a way where they walk away and they go, I want to spend more time with them. Um, That to me, my favorite mentoring relationships are the ones when I walk away and I go, wow, they really got me thinking. Um, Them going through their books they're reading, I just took notes and wrote down a couple that I want to engage in. Or their thought about their strengths and how they're leveraging their strengths or their goals or the questions they ask, that really got me thinking. How do you do that in the conversations that you're going to engage in in 2020? We're excited to help you along that journey for sure.
0: Yeah, if there was one final bonus tip, please Google the mentor and read about them before you show up. I mean, and I know... For this community, that's probably like the most obvious thing. But the last thing you want to do is they say, yeah, so I did this. Are you. Oh, are you're married. Oh, you have a kid. It's like, did you did you did you do did you just take a second? You asked for this. So what coffee. I hear you, what I hear
1: you saying there is, do a little homework on the person you're actually going to be spending time with to understand them, to seek to understand where, what's their background, so that you can engage them appropriately.
0: Yeah, for sure. So that just goes without saying, but I think that it also gives you better questions because you might learn about the experience that they have that you might want a better leverage. So, all right. With that being said, thank you, Shane. Thank you, David. Good to have you guys here with me again. Um, And so that brings us to the end of this episode of Executive Minds. So if you enjoyed this podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review. It definitely helps us. Um, You can also subscribe while you're there. Follow us on Spotify, uh, Google Play, TuneIn, anywhere you like to enjoy your podcast. We are officially everywhere you can possibly uh, find us, uh, find a good podcast. And lastly, we have show notes for you. We have summaries. I mean, we talked about some great questions. We talked about some great books. Uh, we put some things in here that are definitely going to help you take action on some of the things we talked about today. You can get all of that by visiting executiveminds.co. Take you straight to our show notes page. If you go to executiveminds.co. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us and we look forward to having you join us next time.
1: Thanks for listening to the Executive Minds Podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter
0: to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. For more show notes and helpful resources, visit executiveminds.co. That's executiveminds.co.